You're listening to Art Affairs, episode 58. Today I'll be talking to Casey Weldon. So my name is Michael Faith, and this is Art Affairs. Art Affairs is my attempt at shining a spotlight on the many wonderful people that make up this amazing art community, featuring conversations with artists, gallerists, curators, telling their stories. You can dig through previous episodes, complete with show notes at artaffairspodcast.com. But the best way to stay plugged in is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're really enjoying the show and want to help support what I'm doing here in an even bigger way, Check out the Art Affairs Patreon. Not only does it give you an opportunity to help keep the show going, but there are several community-oriented benefits as well, like getting early access to episodes and suggesting questions for upcoming guests. You can find all the information about that at patreon.com slash artaffairs. You can also connect with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Art Affairs Podcast. All right, so today's guest is artist Casey Weldon. Casey was actually suggested by two previous guests, both Mike Egan and Alex Garan. So it's really good to finally have him on. His work is super interesting, and his use of color is incredibly unique. We talk about his haunting color palette on the show, as well as how he first got started showing in galleries in Las Vegas, his new solo show at ThinkSpace, and a whole lot more. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Casey Weldon. Casey, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you on. Ah, thanks. Thank you for having me. All right, awesome. And shout out to Mike Egan and, and Alex Garant. They, when, whenever I ask at the end of the show who they most like to have on, they both suggested you. So that was pretty cool. Aw, that's nice of them. <laughs> both very sweet people. All right, so let's dive into your background. Um, and from what I understand, you you were born and grew up in the Valencia area of Santa Clarita, California, which, according to like Google Maps, puts it relatively close to LA. Um, but I, I don't really know the Los Angeles geography. So, like, what was the area like where you grew up? Yeah, it's uh, the valley beyond the valley of Los Angeles. <laughs> um, it's uh, home to Magic Mountain, uh, Six Flags, and Cal Arts. Uh, and it's just super suburbia. I mean, okay. I believe at one point they just rebranded their name Awesome Town, which <laughs> buses have it. It is not an awesome town, but it's very nice, very uh, safe and very uh, isolated, I guess. Okay. Uh, so is it... Uh, did, do they keep that? Is that an actual thing? Awesome Town? Uh, I don't know. This is a... <laughs> I probably about four years ago. I can't imagine that that was a successful campaign, but who knows? You know, um, my brother still lives there. I just uh, it hasn't come up. <laughs> okay, right on. What kind of work did your parents do when you were growing up? My mom was a, a career school teacher with all grades, and um, and my dad was a systems computer systems consultant and. Like one of these jobs that no one will ever understand. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I do. Um, but yeah, he'd uh, just kind of go into companies and help them uh, rebuild their computer systems and then moved into like a more 
uh, management consultant. So, yeah. Awesome. And, and were you exposed much to the arts as a kid? Is it something like you had around you at home? Uh, not too much. I mean, my mom is pretty creative. Like I think most school teachers have to be. Um, and they were definitely, uh, supportive of it, but yeah, I think most of, uh, art influences came in through comic books and cartoons and, you know, the normal stuff, uh, kids get into. Sure. So is that what's kind of sparked your interest in creating art yourself or was, was there some other thing? Uh, yeah, I, I think I was always pretty artistic as a kid. And then once I discovered comic books, it was, it was over, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of, uh, Todd McFarlane and, uh, Ninja Turtle, uh, copies in my early years. And, um, so is that, is that like Todd McFarlane Spider-Man or Todd McFarlane Spawn? And, and that's, uh, I was right at the sweet spot where I, um found him when he was doing spider-man and that was right around when image comics started and uh, got into all these uh artists that were uh amazing at drawing not so much at storytelling but you know <laughs> it was um yeah i i don't remember actually reading them too much it was just all about uh examining their styles and trying to recreate them Sure. And and so when you when that sort of sparked your own interest in art, did that cause you to want to tell stories with your work? Did that give you sort of a natural like narrative slant? Um I don't know. Uh I know, you know, in high school is like a kind of a stoner dropout. Um <laughs> I I was just drawing I was just looking through some old sketchbooks and they're all just like busty anime babes and like uh muscular anti-hero types um and it wasn't i don't think there was too much of a story behind anything it was just kind of um you know regurgitation and just uh yeah trying to draw trippy things a lot of pretty girls sitting on mushrooms (laughs) and and you mentioned a brother was he is he creative at all as well is or was it just you that was the creative one in the family uh, you know, we used to draw, uh, <laughs> he could still draw a pretty mean Ninja Turtle. And I think that's about all he will draw. Uh, he's a structural engineer in downtown Los Angeles. And so, yeah, there is this kind of running joke where I'm the artsy one and he's the, you know, mathematical guy, but we're pretty similar people. And, um, it's, I, Reluctant to say that he's not creative because I think the job that he has requires a lot of creativity, but it's just a different type. Sure. No, that makes sense. Um, and I guess you know, growing up, you mentioned you're, you're kind of the stoner kid in high school, but did you already kind of know that you wanted to be an artist professionally? Like, was that what you were aiming for? I think that was just what I was told I was going to be. Over and over <laughs> I mean, you know, I started in high school just not even interested in in every piece of homework was littered with doodles and maybe not so much actual work but uh i didn't have any like preconceived notion that i was going to be an artist i just didn't really know what else i was going to do so so what motivated the uh, the decision to go to art center so after kind of turning things around midway through high school uh <laughs> getting my act together um 
I really got into it. I mean, throughout high school, I was doing some more art jobs and I guess you could even call them illustration jobs, which are on like rave flyers and uh, painting props for raves, uh, which is a thing that exists. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I started to take it a little bit more seriously. I, again, I didn't really have any other interests other than, you know, painting and drawing still at that time. And while my parents were supportive of me going to art school, they didn't necessarily want me to go straight out of high school. It's, uh, it's terribly expensive and it's not really something you want to um, push someone into if they're still kind of wishy-washy about their direction. And uh, so I went to community college for uh, a couple of years and got like an associate's degree and something I could fall back on. And uh, uh, after that, decided, yeah, to go to Art Center. Why, why Art Center? What, what attracted you there? I lived right down the street from CalArts uh, and even had a, when I was a kid, there was a college student uh, that was living with us that was going to CalArts and he was just the, the coolest guy he would take us up there all the time. Um, during the high school days, we kind of snuck up uh, in there to the parties often. And uh, the more I went there, the more it, it's, it's a great school, but it, um, besides animation, I feel like their art department leads a little bit more on the conceptual higher mm. brow or I don't know what term you use now, but, uh, it wasn't for me. Um, Otis, uh, looked great, but art center just had the, the instructors that I was aware of and that I really admired and, um, past students that went there and it just, it seemed like, a school that was about learning how to draw and paint, you know, learning about the craft of it uh, a little bit more than maybe some of the other schools. Awesome. And, and was your, your focus was painting and drawing there? Yeah, it was the uh, illustration program, um, okay. which is basically their painting and drawing program. I, I think it's diversified a little bit now. Um, there was a fine arts uh, department. I'm sure there still is, but uh illustration was about yeah learning how to draw good right and so i guess looking back like how do you feel about your time in art school do you feel that it was a fulfilling experience that it helped you kind of grow in the way that you needed yeah i i wish i took advantage of of it a little bit more um you know i uh coming from the area i was still kind of going back to my old town and hanging out with my old friends. Whereas I think a lot of people that moved in from out of state or out of country were kind of, you know, forced to like immersify themselves into the uh, social aspect of it, where I naturally being shy, just kind of uh, kept to myself a little bit more. And uh, I mean, that all the teachers that I had there were so great. And so like, willing to, uh, you know, <laughs> tell you anything you want to know, but you just have to ask. And I, I don't know, I guess I wish, I wish I asked a little bit more. But as far as the school goes, I, I, I know I see my work before I went there and after I came out, uh, it's quite a difference. <laughs> I mean, I guess um, 
do you, is it something that you would recommend to somebody that's considering art school today? I, I do. I, uh, again, I think it's like definitely something you have to be absolutely sure about. I wonder about some of the people that I went to school with, like where they are now. I know some of them are superstars. And I, uh, I think a lot of people use it to go into like arts adjacent type. Uh, um, and then there's some people that I just didn't even know what they were doing there. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, they didn't seem interested in doing the work. And I don't know. So I I think it's it's good for people that are serious about doing it. But it's just so expensive. I don't I don't. That's my biggest gripe about it. I I wish that that wasn't a factor. Well, and I'm sure it's it's that much more expensive now than than when you were there yeah, too. You know, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to look at it. <laughs> so you graduated in 2004, uh, and after graduation, is that when you moved to Las Las Vegas? Because I knew you spent yeah. quite a bit of time there. Yeah, uh, it was like I'll, I had uh, a lot of friends that lived out there, and I mean, people were buying houses for 80 grand or something. (laughs) And uh, as a broke ass college student, um, like living in LA, trying to start up, you know, my own business or trying to make money at being an artist was, it just didn't seem like an option. And um, I had visited Vegas often and they had quite like a, a, a blossoming art scene and uh it seemed like a good choice i could go up there live for cheap and try to get things going so it had more to do with just the cost of living and it being more reasonable yeah and uh i don't think people realize that there is like uh a city beyond the the egg yolk that is the the strip you know uh i while it is dependent on uh the entertainment industry i think uh there's a lot more to Las Vegas than people give credit to. Okay. And that, that was what I was curious about. Cause like in my head, I've never been to Las Vegas. So like in my head, when somebody's talking about Las Vegas, I literally just picture a single street with a bunch of casinos on it. Like that's my, yeah. it, that's in my head what I picture right. Las Vegas to be, but I'm sure it's more than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would have been accurate maybe in like the fifties. <laughs> it's, it's slowly spreading out like any other city. Um, it is, you know, just it's very similar to like any other desert town that you've been to. I mean, like Phoenix, uh, not too far away. I, I don't know. I feel like they got the same vibes on a much smaller scale. Like Phoenix is gigantic. But um, what about the art scene? Was it was it a pretty active art scene in Vegas? While you were there? Yeah, uh, a lot of support. Um, there's a downtown area um, where like a I think they call it the Arts Factory. Um, with a lot of artist studios in it. And then they would have an art walk every first Friday of the month. And, uh, you know, the, the city would shut down the streets. They would have this big art walk with booths and, uh, vendors. They still do. Uh, it's gotten a little bit more commercial since then, or at least that's like the, the gripe that a lot of local artists have about it. Uh, but at the time, it was great, you know. I could have a show and get my work seen by a bunch of people. They weren't necessarily coming for my work, but at least they were seeing it. And, um, yeah, it was uh, really supportive. met a lot of friends that I'm still friends with today. So. 
Awesome. Very cool. So, so like when you first got there, what kind of work were you doing right out of college? Was it, did you dive right into your own art practice or were you, did you spend some time on like commercial stuff? Well, I mean, that was the goal was to get into the illustration um, game, but uh, it's <laughs> one thing that came up through art school uh, in the illustration program over and over again is that we were all preparing for like a dying career, you know, um, <laughs> you know, as I mean, illustration has been dying for, Ever, I guess, is like, uh, you know, photography and, and just Photoshop and uh, it's taken over. But um, that I still wanted to do it. I love the idea of it. I lo- um, and that was my plan. But I got offered a show in this like tiny little gallery and sold some work out of it. And then from then on, just kind of did a little half and half, you know, tried to do some uh illustration work wherever i could get it but then also creating my own paintings and see if i could sell those too so i mean you mentioned that that you started showing your work um you know in the in the las vegas area how did how did how did that happen how did that come about that you started showing and like how did you start making some of those relationships with galleries there there was a there's a guy named iceberg slick uh, and he had a, a little gallery in this arts factory building and i had come out and visited and showed him some work and he's like yeah so puts him up you know it wasn't uh wasn't a big thing and he was him and a lot of people uh it, with other galleries were really kind of trying to make it a scene um and doing a pretty good job at it and uh so having like a show or two there, I mean, these were all small galleries that people, I, I don't know. Uh, it, Vegas is very like localized where I feel like um, everyone in the area knows everyone else, um, but uh, maybe doesn't focus too much on the outside art world, I guess. Um, so it's like, it's very specific that was my observation at least i could be totally wrong but like uh then there was a gallery uh trifecta gallery with marty walsh that uh kind of started uh making big moves um getting some artists from outside uh some artists that you know i think people would recognize like uh uh amy soul was like a local uh um Vegas and I actually met her uh while she was still doing like abstract work uh, oh, nice. through icebergs like in that uh that group and um uh yeah Marty would show like Kathy Olivius and Eric Joyner and yeah so it was just you know you show at one gallery then you show at another and starts building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very cool. I didn't. I didn't know Amy lived in Las Vegas uh, at some point. Yeah, I think she was uh, born and raised. She lives here now. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, this was like 2004, and I think yeah, she was living here. And I, she's been living in San Francisco for the last ten years or something. But she's back. Right on. And so, how long did you live in in Vegas? Then it was only three years. Uh, it was 2004, 2007. And it seems like after after Vegas, you you I mean, well, in general, you've lived in a lot of places. Like you lived in Brooklyn, you went back to California, Portland, Seattle for a while. I guess. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why? Because what motivated all that that moving around? 
Uh, let's see. I was living in Vegas. Art was kind of, it was doing well enough. Um, but I was dating a woman that lived in San Francisco, uh, going to school for fashion design. And, uh, we got the bright idea to move out to New York because that's where she had to get a job. And people told me, oh man, that's, if you're going to be an artist, you gotta, uh, <laughs> live in New York. And that is not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, we, we, we moved out there. Um, and, uh, I think during that time, weirdly, I was starting to get into like more recognizable galleries, but they were all on the West coast. Uh, did like some East coast shows here and there. Uh, I feel like I was just constantly mailing things across the country. And, um, yeah, after living there for four years, uh, moved back to Los Angeles to try to figure out what to do. And uh, then ended up moving to Seattle. I actually never lived in Portland. I don't know why so many bios say that. Yeah. I've never claimed it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where it came from. Um, I love Portland. I wanted to move there at one point, Mm -hmm. but um, never, never actually lived there. And so you moved back to Las Vegas then from Seattle. You're not in Seattle anymore. No, I just, uh, I think we're coming up on a year. I'm back living in Las Vegas uh, after living in Seattle for eight years. Yeah. I guess, how have you seen it uh, change from when you lived there before? Uh, The kind of downtown area where they did the Arts District is like, now there's uh, bars and restaurants where it used to be kind of more... mm, auto body shops and that would hang art in there on first Fridays. And, uh, so it's a little bit more built up. Um, I, it went through a period, I think where most cities did where there was this move to move back into, uh, city areas, you know, to get out of the suburbs. So, uh, it's seen a little bit of that, not as much as the other cities I've lived in, but yeah. Um, it's pretty nice. Uh, I, I still have, uh, some lifelong friends here. So it's kind of just about hanging out in their backyards and nice. hanging out with their kids and swimming. And, uh, so again, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know too much about the the scene here. Is that home now? Do you think you'll stay? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, after living in like this shit box of an apartment in Capitol Hill, Seattle for eight years, uh, I needed like more space and, um, it's just so expensive to live anywhere remotely close to downtown and also have space in Seattle. And, uh, coincidentally, uh, <laughs> all my friends that bought one house when they were, you know, 21 years old are, are, all buying their second houses now and uh my friends had this great property uh downtown and um their intent was to use it as like a airbnb for tattoo artists uh that would come into town could live and work out of uh and covid shut that down so it was just kind of sitting here they asked if I wanted to live here and yeah, it's, it's been awesome. I live in a house now after 20 <laughs> years and apartments. Uh, 
Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. And so as you were, you know, moving around um, as much as you did and your career continued to progress, um, you know, you obviously made some pretty strong relationships with several galleries, including Spoke Art and ThinkSpace, where your latest show is going to be at. Um, and of course, Ken and, and, and Andrew have both been on, on the show in the past. Is, is having a strong relationship with a gallery or, or a couple of galleries, like in this case, uh, an important component of your career? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, I mean, Ken, I've known since the first show he had, the first like Wes Anderson show. And, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, the pieces I did for that got really popular and, and then have had successful group and solo shows with him ever since and definitely someone i would call a friend you know he's let me stay at his house when he's not there or even when he is there um and uh it's just a super sweet guy andrew's amazing the whole team at think space are, are great people and very tolerant of the bullshit that i give them and uh <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Kirsten at Rock LaRue has always been, uh, amazingly supportive and, um, uh, you know, uh, the couple at, uh, Antler, I fucking love them, Neil and Susanna. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's always interesting telling people that, um, don't know how selling art works, you know, my friends, uh, <laughs> um, how you, know, you tell them about like commission breakdowns and they're like, what the gallery's is just going <laughs> to take your money. I'm like, you have to understand they are also doing a lot of work and putting a lot of faith in, in what you're doing to live off of, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it is definitely important to have a relationship with those people to, to know that, they are actually going to, you know, push your work and, and support, but also like be supportive of you when you're yeah. uh, mentally breaking down a week before the show. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it, and this is something that we, that Andrew and I talked about too on our episode is just finding the galleries that do the work, you know, that really put in the hard work to back you. Cause there are galleries that don't, you know, out there. And it's a matter of kind of aligning yourself with the ones that do really, Absolutely. And, and all the ones that you, that you named, I think are good, great examples of, of those types. Yeah. Of yeah. I mean, I, it, it is like alluring to someone trying to make money. like, Oh, what? I don't have to put any money down on inventory and I get half of whatever sells. I all I have to do is rent a space up. No problem. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> A little bit more work and you can tell they 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 come in and they go and and that is unfortunately like this obstacle course that every like artist has to go through of like because you're so excited to get a show uh it any kind of like group show whatever um and you know a lot of people just get taken advantage of by these people that are just doing yeah they'll sell your work maybe you'll get a check you know um or maybe they won't and you won't get your piece back because they have to realize they have to like cover shipping and yeah i think a lot of people start galleries not knowing exactly what they're getting themselves into is that something that you had uh, to navigate yourself for sure yeah mm. i've had uh work disappear checks never come a lot of excuses given. Um, yeah, it's, I, I'm sure it's still happening. I mean, I know there's a lot of great stories about, even in the big time, there's 
big time galleries that are, you know, terrible, terrible people behind them. So, and maybe not even terrible, but just people that are just like, they just got in over their heads and they don't know how to get out and they are not, uh, great at, uh, you know, talking to people about it. So they just, I am. Sure. So let's talk about the work itself. And I think one of the, the most um, recognizable things, at least to me, is is your use of color. Like that's the thing that stands out to me the most. Um, and I, I think I see haunting uh, used a lot to describe the, other, the way that you use color, which I don't know that that's what I would have chosen. But I think it is interesting the way you have both bright and dark at the same time which i don't i don't fully know how to articulate but like there's obviously a lot of shallow shadows and a lot of darkness but then you'll have these bright elements as well but even the bright elements are like really deep and almost dark themselves um so i guess help me understand your use of color and and how that came about and and is there any particular like meaning behind the way that you use color um yeah so I think when I first started painting and I saw like the rack at your local art store of every color under the sun and like the acrylic section, or I guess any uh, section, um, I just wanted to buy them all and use all those colors. And then your paintings <laughs> end up looking like a mess and um, kind of noticed it and noticed that like just every piece was, you know, wildly different from the other. And, at some point, uh, decided that it would be a good idea to try to limit my palette. Um, you can still be colorful, uh, but you know, you don't have to use every color. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I started, uh, just getting down to like six or seven basic colors and seeing what I can do with that, you know, focus on that before you start, uh, broadening your palette. And, um, yeah, as far as the lighting goes, I think a lot of there was like a phase of everything had to be glowing, you know, um, which I like. I mean, I am fascinated by um, lighting. I cannot stand to be in a room with fluorescent overhanging lights as that's the way I was growing. I grew up. My dad loved it. Everything was <laughs> fluorescent light and still is at his house. Now they're LEDs, but they're just that. Yeah. Um, and so lighting scenarios, uh, ambient kind of, uh, have always been super interesting to me and trying to recreate that on a canvas is, could be some hard work, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people's natural assumption is that, oh, if that thing's glowing, then make it bright as hell, you know? But right. to realize you have to make everything else dark and it's not really the color that's bright, it's just that everything else is, uh, you know, darker. So Yeah, yeah, and that's what's, I think, fascinating because a lot of the times uh, uh, the light is off out of frame, you know, so it's casting light on the, the characters of the subjects and it it feels bright but when you really look at it it's like it's not really that bright it's just a lot of other stuff around it are really dark but it feels bright which is a weird sensation i think yeah uh, that's nice to hear i mean i i definitely yeah um like i said i, I like multi-light uh sources and trying to figure out where they're coming from and and um there'll usually be like a focal point glowing 
flamingo or some shit. Uh, but uh, but then you know you want three or four other light sources you know come in in strange areas. So yeah. I guess besides the the recognition where you're like, hey, I don't need to use all the colors. Let me limit my palette. I guess how else have you seen your use of color evolve over the years? Um, well, I think it's safe to say I'm a fan of pink and cyan. Um, <laughs> sure, can't get out of those, but I am have been trying to like uh, deepen that a little bit. Um, Sometimes things just happen and it's not always like a conscious um, decision. It's just you, one painting comes out that way and you're like, oh, I really like that. And you just start exploring it. And um, yeah, I don't, uh, I would say most of uh, my career has been haphazard. So <laughs> yeah, it's not really a uh, clear direction. Right on, and and I guess thematically, uh, I, I think it's interesting because uh, your work often will have this this really cool interplay between like feelings of melancholy, but also like humor and wit, almost kind of like satire mixed into it. So I guess where do you think that uh, that kind of unique combination of melancholy humor comes from? Um, I don't know. I know I uh, I've grown up with funny friends, and humor has been a big part of my life as most people would agree like tragedies there too and I, I don't know I I I don't think I know a single person that can't laugh at something terrible that's happened to them you know uh, sure, yeah. and uh so that's always been an interest I um I've been telling dad jokes before <laughs> they were called dad jokes um and so I, I think most paintings start with like either a straight up like this would be funny uh, or just kind of there's always like a punchline to it, you know, like a, like, oh, what if this was this, you know, um, and then, OK, that's cool. And you can do that painting. And but how do you make it more interesting from there? Like, how do you add like another layer to it? How do you? hopefully like push that um, joke into like a second or third read. And so have it uh, a very pretty and interesting scene, but then you get to like that. Oh, okay. You know? Um, and I think that comes from like what a lot of the uh, teachers at art center were pushing. It was like a very uh, illustration approach to things. So read the article, uh, it's about economics. Do not, you know, ever use a bag with a dollar sign on it. Or, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's about trying to find interesting symbolism that people can identify with, but hopefully hasn't been used to death so far. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I uh, at least by other people, I tend to use the same things over and over again. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, do you consider your your work like narrative in nature? Or like, are you, are you trying to tell stories through some of your pieces? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm trying. I I want it to be a scene that you can um, that you're peeking into and not necessarily participating in. Uh, I almost never want the subjects like looking at the viewer. Um, you know, unless. 
there's just a lot of different work. I know everything I say is going to be immediately contradicted by some other painting that I've done. So, uh, um, yeah, I want it to be a scene. And then you check out this cat caterpillar with no other background. But yeah, um, it's a, a, I want, I want it to be weird enough to find the, the viewer will be interested in, in exploring it more and not just completely, uh, write it off after five minutes of looking at it. Sure. I, I guess, do um, do you want the works to participate with one another in some way, like in a co- kind of cohesive through line? Is that a part of what Sometimes, yeah, yeah. There's definitely like series where it's like maybe an elaboration idea uh, two or three times. Um, yeah, uh, not necessarily like a straight up, children's book style of like what's happening from one scene to the other. But I, I do think that they're all in like the same kind of world maybe. Yeah. And you mentioned cats and obviously cats have been a big part of your work for a while now, especially the four eyed variety. Um, I guess what's the origin of of that motif and and when did you start doing that? Uh, the four eyed cat specifically, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of when that was. That was a show at uh, Spoke Art, but it was, it was, I had done um, a series of paintings for a show that were all based off of um, uh, names that kids get called. And one of them was Four Eyes. And so they were like done in literal ways, you know, like I got called Walrus Teeth because I was missing teeth in, in a, uh, as a child. Um, and so, yeah, with kid with tusks, but like, yeah, obviously the the kid with four eyes uh, was popular because of that visual kind of uh, vibrating effect. And um, I'd done a series, I guess that was like 2010. Now that's when I was moving out of uh, New York, 2010, 11. Um, and they're just, it's just funny. You know, you take this like, Everything, everybody loves to look at the cute little cat and to make it physically hard to look at is uh, like a kind of a shitty thing to do to somebody. But I <laughs> made a whole career out of it. Sure. I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, I think it depends on the person, but it is hard to like focus in on. on their eyes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause, you know, half of a cat's face is their eyes. They're yeah. pretty. Uh, and. Yeah, I I just really enjoyed it, and I could start doing my friends' cats. I, I tried to include all the cats that I knew, or even just put out open calls on on Instagram or something. I guess do do cats like represent something specific in your works? Like I, I know you use symbolism a lot, and you said you like to use a lot of the same symbols. Do they represent something? I just think they're an excellent subject of someone that is trying to look really cool and then we'll do something derpy, you know? Uh, So, uh, I think that's interesting. I think they are, uh, subject that isn't a person (laughs) that everyone can immediately identify with, uh, a whole lot of attitude. And so, uh, I mean, I grew up with cats and have lived with cats half of my life. Um, there's nothing special or significant about them. I just think they're fun, you know? Do you have any right now? Do you have any cats? I, uh, there's something crazy going on here. So, um, 
when I moved in, there was a uh, Siamese cat that was living in the crawl space underneath. Mm. And this guy was just, he was a beater, you know, like he was tough as nails. And he unfortunately passed away. And since yeah. then, all the cats are coming. They're all oh, wow. like, um, it's like Game of Thrones, man. They're trying to figure <laughs> out who's going to rule the kingdom underneath. And um, one of them, who I've named uh, Sombra, is this big, fat, black cat who's just incredibly sweet. So she comes in and we'll hang out. The rest are definitely feral and mm. keep their distance. But I'm feeding the whole neighborhood. So uh, <laughs> I think we're up to like four regulars. Um nice. You know, that I'll see on a semi-daily basis. You're in the, the cat lady phase of your life. <laughs> yeah. They don't come in the house except for the one um, because she's chill. The other ones, I don't I don't know what they're up to. And I'm not interested in finding out, at least not right now. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's kind of fun. They keep the, the, the um, rats away, I'm assuming. I don't know if that's a problem here, but... <laughs> Not for what, me. what are I guess what are some other uh, prominent symbols that you've used over over the years? I'm trying to. I mean, it's it's kind of like a piece by piece thing, and um, I don't know. It's bad artist thing that I can't think of it off the top of my head. But um, I mean, there's a difference between symbolism and and subjects, and like I, I would never call the cat a symbol even though i probably just did 15 minutes ago um <laughs> they're uh they're usually more of the subject it's kind of the little things um going around like uh, uh there's a painting behind me in the show you could probably hardly see it but it's like a a woman um braiding her hair and she's got uh, these guys in leather jackets with uh, monster masks on. And and then if you look at it, they all have their tongues out. And she's actually braiding their tongues and not their uh, and not her hair. Um, <laughs> and so that's to me like the space on a friend that's had like, uh, you know, just the worst luck with uh, dating world, you know, and everyone's kind of like this tough guy. And I know a mask is a pretty like literal <laughs> or not literal, but like it's overused. Uh, but I, I, you know, it's just, just, everyone's trying to be a cool guy and speaking this, um, this language to try to pick someone up. And, and this woman just kind of gone on and on and on and like just uh verbally eviscerating them so mm. yeah uh, maybe not the best example <laughs> I, I like i'll have like half of an idea ready to go when i start painting a painting and as i'm going like oh it would be cool if this was in there because it would be weird and unexpected and um you know what will that mean? Um, the, the painting next to it is like this woman in kind of like a fur hat looking thing, but it's actually flamingos. And 
She's looking at a smaller version of herself resting on her hand, uh, dressed in swimwear. And then if you look at her freckles, I mean, obviously can't see them there, but they're all tiny flowers from like a Hawaiian floral print. And so the whole idea behind that painting is uh, it's called Snowbird. And it's just everyone I knew in Seattle, like wanting to be south for uh, (laughs) the winter because it's so miserable, you know, and and it's like it when February comes around, it's about what anyone can talk about. So uh, it's not, you know, heavy, heavy stuff, but it's just like, yeah, it's about wanting to be on vacation. She wants to be on vacation so much. It's coming out on her face, you know? No, that's really cool. And so I guess, how do you, how do you tend to arrive at at your ideas for pieces? Do do you, uh, or for like a complete body of work, if you're doing a whole series, do you, do you have any kind of like intentional brainstorming activities that you go about or is it just all kind of come to you? Yeah, it's, uh, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. I have like, uh, iPhone notes. I think a lot of artists probably do that just read like complete gibberish haikus (laughs) and, uh, and yeah, I don't, you know, you're just thinking it's the hardest question to ever answer because there's sure. never like a good one it's just like it just happens um what once you do have like a solid idea for a piece like how do you approach developing the composition for it do you, do you start with like pencil drawings and then go into paint or do you just jump right into painting? uh lots of thumbnails yeah start with thumbnails um kind of get the general idea there's usually like a vision of what it is going to look like you know or at least like a uh, like a hazy kind of idea and uh you start gathering photo references of whatever um subject matter is in there uh i'll assemble things in photoshop and just create like a photo collage that has reference and like a general layout of what things are going to look like on top of that start drawing things changing the color like i'm not uh the biggest fan of um taking photo reference lit the way that I want it to be lit. Um, that's usually just made up, uh, just because it's just not going to happen. <laughs> I'm just lazy and yeah, you figure it out. Um, and, uh, so yeah, um, we'll take a photo shoot with, uh, someone, um, nice enough to model and, just have like a library of, of images and, and just like, Oh, maybe this one will work. And you can start kind of, uh, collaging and rearranging their poses, rearranging the lighting. And then from then on you start painting. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty nailed down by the time the painting painting process starts. So for the, the photo shoots, um, do you have a, 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 good idea of what you want to come out of the photo shoot with when you, when you first start as far as like poses and, and lighting, stuff like that? No, no, I, uh, it's usually really broad and it's not for like a specific painting. It's, um, it's just to do it so that I have it and, uh, usually make poor people like, um, do this kind of weird Tai Chi thing. Like, okay, <laughs> just have your hands up and pretend that you're sad looking at, you're holding a weird thing and, uh, kind of move around them. So you, you just, yeah, you just kind of do as much as you can with, um, you know, as many people as you can. And if it doesn't work out, like if you have a very specific idea of what you want to do, 
in the poses that you have aren't just doing it, you can kind of go back and see if you can get something a little bit more specific, but that rarely ever happens. There's expediency is, is what I need. Does it matter if you um, like know the people that, that are modeling for you? Does that help at all? Or does that not really play into what you're doing? Uh, no, no. I, I mean, I put out like calls before, like, Hey, does anyone want to model for me? <laughs> um, uh, I've modeled for, or I've never modeled for anybody. I've had models be friends and, uh, you know, ex-partners and yeah. Um, if you're going to paint someone, you know, you got to make sure that they are uh, okay with how it's going to come <laughs> out. Sure. You know, that's, uh, you definitely don't want someone that is going to keep telling you to make them look younger and prettier, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. I, I guess uh, once you do start painting, do you typically, uh, you know, work entirely on that one piece until it's done or do you work on multiple pieces at once? Uh, yeah, usually unless it's for a show, like a group show with a deadline, then I'll just focus on one piece. But putting like a big show together, they're usually all in this state, same state of uh, nonsense until the very last week. So we are approaching that week right now. <laughs> And, and, you know, the majority of the work that you make is in acrylics. Uh, what is it that you, uh, you know, like about acrylics opposed to like oil gouache? I am a terrible procrastinator. <laughs> uh, maybe not even procrastinate. I, I just, it's, it takes a long time to like find the confidence on what I want to paint. By the time I have it, there's not a ton of time to do the actual painting. And the idea of sitting around and waiting things to dry uh, in the case of oils is like, that's not, it's not an option Um, even with dryers. And I, you know, I, to the point where I'm there with a heat gun drying it because it needs to dry faster. (laughs) Um, And uh, I like painting on wood with acrylics because I could kind of beat it up a little bit, you know, Um, even though the, end result and kind of ends up looking pretty polished and smooth. Um, the process is a mess, you know, (laughs) it's just a lot of like sanding and scraping. And then, uh, yeah. So canvas is always just too, um, I don't know, pliable. It, It like gives too much. I need something I can like rest my hand on and smack around when I'm not happy with what's happening. Are there any mediums that you'd like to explore someday that maybe you haven't had an opportunity to? Yeah, I uh, I mean, I, I do like oils. I would like to try to give it a shot again. You know, I uh, like went to art classes when I was in 11 or something. I remember painting with oils and even in, you know, art school. Uh, um, but since then, I have I have not messed with it. But my friends who are oil painters, I'll kind of mess around with theirs a little bit. I would like to go back into that, but uh, as far as anything else, like in my actual work, I don't, I don't know if there's a place for it, you know? Um, Gouache is great. Watercolor is incredibly frustrating. Um, (laughs) You know, I have been using like spray paint and airbrushing a lot for big fills. Um, in like larger pieces, like as of uh, all of a week ago. Um, and 
I think there's something interesting there. Like airbrushing is kind of frowned upon. So I don't know if people are going to be into like a fully airbrush painting, but for putting down big uh, fields of color, it's definitely a lot faster. So, And, and you have done, um, you know, a handful of uh, public art pieces like mural, you know, large scale murals. Um, and I think that your first mural was in 2013 as part of a Las Vegas backyard wall project. So I guess, tell me about that. Like, how did you first get into to mural painting? Yeah, I don't, uh, that one was, it was uh, some friends that live kind of in the same neighborhood, um, built a big back wall of, uh, what was it, eight by 20 feet that they would just have artists come over and paint and they would do time-lapse uh, photography and make a little video, have some friends put some music. Uh, that was just for fun. And it was a lot of fun. They would have these big parties for it. And those were pretty wild. Um, the other murals, uh, there was the Soto track mural that I did with uh, artist Sid B up in Seattle. Um, and Gage Hamilton put that together with artists like all over the world were, um, did this corridor that uh, is, downtown north south of downtown that's what they call soto um and all the murals are facing the train and it's kind of like this outdoor gallery that's great i was trial by fire because it was 20 feet by 60 feet or something you know yeah so that was i never been on a boom or any of that before and we were using house paints like idiots (laughs) yeah so do you not use a uh, spray paint when you're when you're doing these? I no, I haven't. I just don't have a command over it that I'm like comfortable with. Um, you know, in theory, like I could use them for big, uh, you know, fields of color. But like, so I could use house paint for that too, and it'll probably be faster and cheaper. Um, so I don't. I, over the summer, I'd, my parents live out in the wilderness and I set up this like uh, eight by eight uh, canvas to try to practice. But yeah, I mean, I haven't gotten over that hump of frustration of like, oh, this isn't doing what I want it to do. So it's not something I want to go into like a mural festival where you have a very, you know, short a span of time that you gotta there's no time for <laughs> messing around so yeah i guess besides the painting process itself do you approach the you know the compositions of the works differently when it's for a large scale like wall like that um no i just don't have a lot of experience with it i have like the utmost respect for people that um can bang those out and look amazing but the uh it's it's really hard for me you know (laughs) working on that uh that soda track one i was up on a boom you know 20 feet in the air painting a cloud that like no one's gonna what are you doing dude you've been working on that cloud for like 20 minutes and it's like a speck on this so i have to keep remembering that i have the same problem when i'm painting smaller pieces is that i'm like uh, rendering out flower petals that like, dude, no one's going to look at, like, there's no point. So yeah, I, uh, I, I would like to paint more murals. I am not very great at it. So <laughs> I need to get a little bit more experience under the belt there. 
Right on. So let's let's talk about your new show. It's it's at ThinkSpace, uh, titled Tacit Turnabout, and uh, I believe by the time that this episode comes out, it'll have been open for about a week, and remains open through April twenty third. So what can you tell me about this this new body of work? Yeah, uh, it's I have been um, I haven't been creating much, you know, uh, in between. COVID and uh, all the things that were going on in the last two years and then like personal like health issues. I just, I haven't been working and I haven't uh, really felt inspired to work. And, um, you know, I, it's, I, this show was originally supposed to be in um, a year ago. And I had surprise brain, uh, I had a craniotomy for like a subdural hematoma. And that kind of like messed me up for a while. And, oh, wow. and it was clear then we had to like postpone the show. And so it's kind of been trying to force, force, but try to like re-inspire myself to, uh, you know, get something to, down something that I want to say. And, um, so a lot of it's kind of based on, uh, some of the trials and tribulations that my friends have been going through for the last couple of years. I mean, some of it to do with, uh, isolation and, uh, a lot of it just kind of interpersonal relationships that are, uh, I just talked, to them about it naturally as a friend, but you know, like, Oh, what if you can, uh, put that on a canvas somehow without it being heavy handed. And again, try to be something pleasurable to look at to some degree. For sure. And and so I guess uh, as you were developing the theme for the show, um, and I guess just your shows in general, uh, do you tend to develop the theme first and then kind of work within the boundaries of that, that idea, or do you just start working and let the themes kind of organically? Yeah, exactly. There, I, there's rarely, I don't think there's ever been like an overall like theme. Uh, the shows are just kind of more small groupings of ideas that I, that I've had. And, um, yeah, uh, I think my natural, state of mind will come out with the work that is created over the same period of time. It'll just, I think it will just come out somewhere or the other, you know? Um, but as far as like the actual planning process, it's more of just, again, trying to find those ideas or those punchlines or those kind of like, wouldn't it be trippy if this was this? And yeah, um, trying to make those happen. Is there a is there a particular piece in the show that that challenged you more than maybe some of the other ones? They've all they've all and like even the ones I thought were going to be easy. It was just like, oh, the, what am I doing? Because <laughs> um, I've been uh, trying to hide these like little tiny things where it's like the freckles on on the woman, or I uh, did a piece of a woman wearing um, just a ton of lover's eye lockets. So I'm like, now I'm painting. 40 pieces of jewelry and the eyes have to look like eyes. They can't be like yeah. badly painted. Um, right. So that was a dumb idea. Um, <laughs> working on a piece of a girl that's kind of pulling apart a beaded curtain, but the beaded curtain is the phases of the moon. So like just the idea of like paint a beaded curtain, like that's a dumb idea, man. <laughs> so, and it's a big painting. So they have to, uh, 
yeah. It's like, what, so, what did I get myself into sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think technically it's fun. Um, and it's not, it's not something that you're struggling over the look at, like, oh, that's not looking at it. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, it's just a lot of work. So, uh, the other struggles have come in just like, wow, I put all of this work into this dumb idea and it doesn't look right. So now I got to do it again. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of that. So. Has there, you mentioned, um, having, you know, kind of taken some time off. Um, do you think that, uh, like how was that experience kind of easing yourself back into your routine? Uh, it's been hard. Um, I think I'm naturally just like a really lazy person. So it's <laughs> really easy to like not work. I mean, but you have to, you know, and like, yeah, it shows six months away. Don't worry about it. And it shows five months away. Maybe, you know, start doing some four months away, man. You know, like ghetto. Yeah. So the, the last four or five months have been nonstop. But I mean, while I was working a little bit more sporadically before, uh, now it's like, it's just, it's nonstop. How many, how many pieces are there going to be total? Like just as many as I can. Yeah. It's always, it, I never feel like it's enough. It probably never is enough. I, um, you know, I start these along, I'll start them like, uh, some of these are started a year and a half ago or something. And they're just sitting there. They're, they've been in the same state for nine months, you know, <laughs> and, uh, uh, they, they need like one more day's worth of work, but I refuse to do it. And I refuse <laughs> until the very last second. And yeah. Um, so I'm aiming for 30. Wow. That's big. Uh, it's huge. A third of that are going to be some small pieces, but like, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, kind of change my colors as far as past shows have gone. Like I, I do want to have like a good looking show, but I also want to have it filled and I think space is a big gallery. So yeah. Well now, yeah, now with their new space, they, they've, I think their main floor is even bigger. So it's I mean, did gigantic. You, yeah. yeah. Did, were you, um, did, I guess, did you have that in mind as far as how you were going to lay the show out? When I first started? Yeah. Um, like all the pieces are definitely much larger than what I'm comfortable at working at normally. Um, and yeah, thankfully I'm, I'm sharing it with Dovey. Uh, so it's going to be half and half. Um, so that's a, a good move. I don't, while I could have filled that gallery, it would be very, you know, sparse or it would just be spaced apart a little bit more. So yeah, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I've been pushing myself to do larger pieces, but, uh, when I originally thought like, yeah, do them, do them big, do them loose. And again, that problem comes up is like, I can't stop like rendering these tiny little minute details that no one gives a shit about. So yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, been struggling with that. So sure. Are you going to be attending the opening? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I guess, how do you feel about your show openings in the age of COVID. Like, how are you feeling about it? Uh, I've been to a couple, uh, recently. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Nevada COVID has been over for a year out oh, here. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, 
trips I've been to California and Seattle, I, I know the whole West Coast is definitely a little bit, but like, I think it'll be all right. Um, I don't know. I can't fault for anyone not wanting to come out because of whatever reasons, but God, everyone I know has already had it uh, at least once. So yeah. Um, I, I hope people can come out, but I'll totally understand if they don't. Um, I guess anything else that you have coming up that you'd want to put on people's radars, events, print releases, stuff like that. Uh, no, this has been pretty much the sole focus. Uh, I mean, I make these crazy gigantic enamel pins with uh, a company called almost amusing. And we're going to do some more coming up soon. And I am weirdly getting into ceramics from a friend. Oh, yeah. We have like a art night every uh, uh, Thursday and he's just, uh, he's got the whole kiln and everything. So I'm going to make something weird, maybe some cat ashtrays. Nice. So I guess, uh, how, how do you feel? And, and you've done, um, you know, toy, you know, vinyl figure uh, in the past, your kitty pillar figure. Um, I guess, how do you feel that your work translates to three dimensions in general? Is it something you'd like to explore more of? Yeah, I would. It's kind of hard I, again, because like I'm making these paintings with, uh, um, I'm trying to build this like environment. Uh, so then to come up with one object isn't always, I mean, the kitty pillar is pretty easy because that was just the dumb pun that the painting was <laughs> um the pins have been like yeah trying to find that one part of the painting and uh so yeah the the ashtray or the ceramics i'm really dead set on this ashtray idea um uh yeah, I I think that's going to be more of just like looking at uh past uh like antiques and trying to put my own spin on them rather than trying to take something something from my work and mm. recreating them. Um but who knows? I don't know. It's just kind of fun to play around with and awesome. shit will break half the time anyway, so <laughs> Very cool. So I guess where can people find you online so they can stay up to date with all this new stuff you got? Yeah, I uh, just Instagram at Casey Weldon. Um, and that's pretty much it. Now, the website's very sparse. Uh, yeah. All right. I guess last question, and this is something that I like to ask everybody. Uh, who is one artist that you'd like to see me have on the show? Uh, I was thinking about this, but I have like five answers. Is that all right? <laughs> uh, Short list. Okay. Uh, at least two. I think, um, I think you should have Kirsten from Rock LaRue on here. She's awesome. If you're doing, um, you know, gallery uh, curators, uh, artists, I was going to say Amy, uh, Amy soul, but she will say that she's too shy and won't do it. Uh, or maybe hopefully she will. She's awesome. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. And she's really easy to talk to. Uh, um, uh, really sweet person. Uh, but then, so the people you should ask is uh, Carlisa Alexander and Red Walitsky are two amazing painters that have started a company together. And they've kind of like changed their whole career through this new joint venture. And I think they're both incredibly interesting people in their own right. But um, I really like, uh, I think it'd be a change of topic to, you know, as far as 
artists not always having to paint things for the rest of their lives kind of thing so oh, nice no I, yeah i didn't realize they'd gotten into something together that's really cool i mean i, I mean i'm familiar with their work independently but i didn't realize they were... so it's called moth and myth and like hmm. anytime i tell this to someone they're like huh uh, they laser cut uh like uh moth uh wings you know you, and they come in like these packages you can uh and it's blown up you know it's like like they have this whole factory they bought their own like oh wow you know uh laser cutters and um printers that are just insane uh was on martha stewart like what the heck so it's really i cannot be happier for him red's like currently like writing across uh central america uh, indian uh or himalayan right i can't remember um and yeah it's like just allowed them to kind of be more comfortable as artists and i think it's great very cool great suggestions and 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 casey thank you so much for doing the show man this has really been a lot of fun i appreciate it uh thank you very much i appreciate you suffering through my rambling (laughs) (laughs) all right sweet so we'll cut there So that's it for this episode of Art Affairs. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Casey. I really enjoy the way that he uses color in his work. And it was really interesting to see how his use of color evolved over the years. But it was also neat to hear how his current journey with colors really started with him recognizing that he was using way too many and wanting to limit his palette and put constraints on the number of colors that he uses. That, coupled with a love for dramatic lighting, has yielded a style entirely his own. Casey's new show at ThinkSpace sounds pretty rad. Like I mentioned during the chat, we're recording this a couple weeks before the show opens, so I haven't seen all the pieces, but from what he described, it seems like it's going to be a killer new body of work. I was sorry to hear that he'd been dealing with some medical issues and and just a general lack of inspiration, but with 30 new pieces for this show, it at least seems like things are on the up and up. And by the time you hear this, the show will already be open at ThinkSpace and will remain on display through April 23rd. So definitely drop by the gallery to check out all the works. Or see the show on ThinkSpace's website if you're not in the area. So thanks again to Casey for joining me today. And thank you for checking out the show. I'm truly grateful for your support. And just a reminder, one big way you could help out if you're really enjoying the show would be to check out the show's Patreon. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash artifairs. And as always, you can contact me through my website at artifairspodcast.com or on Instagram at Art Affairs Podcast. So until next time, be good to yourself, and be good to each other.